0: Hello and welcome to the Wing Travel podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people on my travels that I want to bring them on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this and I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Hello and welcome to the Winglet Travel Podcast episode 50. What a moment, huge. And this week I've got my good friend Mark Tishore on and he's a journalist in the car industry and we're going to cover pretty much some of our favourite trips we've done over the years. And it's predominantly been a lot of sports travel, but different types of sports travel. It's going to cover football and cricket. And they're kind of different in a way that we went to the tournaments and how we got there and what we experienced. So we're going to cover Australia, Ashes in 2010 and 11. Talk about our road trip to Ukraine, Donetsk, for the Euro 2012. And talk about our experiences of driving from London to Donetsk and back again. And then we're going to delve into Brazil World Cup 2014 fantastic trip that was and we're gonna briefly give a bit of an overview of some of the other trips we did we went to the west indies in 2015 we also went to euro 16 in france and then mark's gonna finish off back round to he went to russia in 2018 for england's world cup semi-final game against Croatia. thank you very much for listening to episode 49 great reaction to that lynn and Chris are great please check out their podcast one moment please hold And I've got loads of guests coming up for February and March, and I can't wait to get those out there for you. We're going to cover a lot of countries and a lot of continents. Again, if you're listening for the first time, thanks for giving me a chance. I hope you come back for more. So even though 50 is a big moment, my one-year anniversary as a podcaster is actually the next episode, and I've got some uh, announcements coming on that episode, so please watch out for that. Uh, A few things coming your way, which uh, is pretty exciting, I think. Be safe. Keep that travelling dream alive. Hope you are inspired to book some more travel, and I'll see you again next Monday. Cheers let's get into the episode hello and welcome to the winging it travel podcast episode 50 traveling with mark Tischel. mark is a journalist in the car industry and a very close and dear friend of mine of nearly 20 years we're going to dissect some of our previous sporting travels also some personal travels and maybe delve into some business travel for his work mark welcome to the show how are you doing
1: i'm good thank you for having me and i think it's, it's more than 20 years now James.
0: Yeah, I think I first met you at a football competition or some sort of summer school, right?
1: Yeah, it was. But if you're ten and we're thirty-two now, you get to twenty-two years, don't you? So that's more than twenty years.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Without being, I don't know, without getting off this interview on the wrong foot. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: tell us where you're based. What way up to?
1: So yeah, um, in the UK, um, uh, in London. Um, yeah, just. Uh, um, Back to work after Christmas, um, 2022. Flying by already, isn't it? Um, yep. But all going, all going very well. Very cold here at the moment, but um, nice and warm, nice and warm inside. But yep, just uh, just having a nice day.
0: <laughs> January's a bit of a grim month, though, isn't it? Uh, it's, a, it's a generic grim month, but I don't mind it. But some people hate it, right?
1: Yeah, it's true, isn't it? I mean, I think like anything, it's just good to have plans, isn't it? So uh, yes, key. It's quite easy to sort of um, you know think of the negative. Of it, but you know, the weekend even went went for football. Football games are going on. We went to see some comedy on, oh, yeah. on Saturday night. You know, got got friends coming this weekend. Got got some family coming the weekend after that. So um, yeah, I think just just treat it like any other month and um, and enjoy it.
0: Yeah, love that, love that. And also going to delve into some sporting travel that we've done because I think it's a topic that we've not I've not really discussed on my podcast so far. So we're going to delve into that. But just before that, what made you become a journalist and uh, specifically? in the car industry where did that kind of come along in your personal history and background in school and sixth form and stuff like that
1: um it's something I kind of stumbled into really but in in a positive way having lasted knowing about six minutes if that into my first and only lecture at university that um this wasn't going to be for me um sort of came back came back to Norwich and um just just worked in a kitchen thinking about what to do and and I can't, I can't honestly remember how it came to journalism. I think my, my granddad might have seen an advert or something in, in the for a job at the local paper, and yeah. didn't work out. The application too strong, but did then think actually, no, that could be a thing, and got some work experience at another local paper, and actually just I sort of kind of got the bug. Next um, year, I know, got on a proper course from it it was during the credit crunch um credit crisis so uh yeah you get home from college course every day and the the news was was pretty dreadful about you know everything closing the whole economy's um, gone up in smoke and because it was kind of uh, a i wouldn't say the death of local media but the the death of local media structure where you know every paper every town had its own paper Mm. and they had an editorial team. Now it's all kind of run out of the big cities and and it's kind of like recycle content, that sort of thing. But then it got me into specialist media instead to thought there was a bit more of a future there and ended up writing about cars. We're um, doing that ever
0: since. Randomly, cars. I mean, I I think we all knew uh, in our group of friends that you're probably pretty decent English, right? I think we all kind of had that, yeah. or writing, should we say? But I think we had that idea, but cars was a bit of a surprise to me. I think. I know, obviously, your dad is or was a driving instructor. I mean, it's a loose connection, but yeah, yeah
1: he was a car enthusiast. And he sort of grew, I grew up around car and automotive magazines, really, and I think it's, it, it's kind of beneficial in a way that that cars is a is a love, interest, passion of mine. But it, it's it's one of it's not my complete life, so yeah. I, think, I think it helps professionally to keep a slight professional distance. And um, I would consider myself a kind of journalist first, car journalist second it's just, okay. it's just i'm a journalist who writes about cars and i think there is quite a, a key difference there um and i think you know if i started writing about garden centers next week or you know an english literature magazine or you know a telephone direct i don't know anything i think if you if you're a good journalist you can go and write about anything so um Maybe, well, I think I'm all right, but uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. I, think, I think you're doing all right for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, right. if people can see his background, I think they'd agree with that on the video. <laughs> yeah, I the reason I start a podcast is because I can't write, simple as that, just absolute shit at it. <laughs> That's it. Before I talk about stuff instead, simple as that. It's a
1: good medium, radio is my favorite medium, is radio and audio. I think I prefer, um, I much prefer listening to stuff i prefer listening to sport than watching sport I find it hard to oh consider. wow okay watching sport I'd much rather listen uh i like you know reading books but mm. um, I pre- almost prefer like audio magazine shows as well so oh, there, audio yeah. so yeah and the world's coming back to audio isn't it po- podcast, yep. uh, podcasting
0: really- art is huge now it's it's increasing every year i saw a stat the other day that in the usa obviously usa based more people listen to podcasts now every week than go to church which I thought yeah. was quite an interesting stat.
1: And radio is just such a, or a podcast. It's, it's kind of, it's so personal and intimate in that, you know, you're kind of, there's no distractions when you're in a car or driving, you're, you're kind of immersed and you're sort of feeling part of, mm. part of something. And I think that's what hopefully your listeners like as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you can really delve down into the topics, right? And really niche it up. Like right? if you want to hear about sports travel, then they might only log into this uh, episode in the whole series. But it's like, you know, it's one episode they're listening to, right? They've come to the right place. Yeah, so talking about sports travel, a little, nice little segue into our trips. A lot of our trips have been sport-based, maybe all, maybe by a few history trips back in school. So we're going to talk today about how we come to plan a sports trip, um, how we book tickets, accommodation, travel, etc. And we're going to kind of do them in chronological order with, with years gone by. So we're going to start with Ashes in 2010-11. Now, the... the the premise is going to be we're going to name the location what the trip is then we're going to talk about how do we acquire the tickets how do we book accommodation travel plane travel stuff, stuff like that and then go into the details of the trip so 2010 2011 I remember ashes in Australia I came in late on this because I wasn't part of the original party and you were already planned to go out there with a few other people so talk to us about how you sort of got the idea of going to the ashes in Australia in 2010 and booking the trip and getting the crew together for a trip there.
1: So, yeah, I, I, it was um, actually the third time I'd gone to Australia because of having a, lo- a lot of family there. Um, went for a wedding when I was about 12, 13, then went um, to the Ashes in 2006. Um, but just grandparents were there. as was along with one of other friends as well. So that kind of felt almost like a, like being a bit of a kid still, you know, being with mm. family, being family close and um, not really let off the leash, for want of a better phrase. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it was a bit of an a, a coming of age experience really when we went in 2010 and I think I learned well I think we learned quite a lot actually about the kind of freedom that that travelling can get you but also the part of of being part of something when it comes mm. to sport travel being part of something that kind of matters so much, but then doesn't matter at all. I think sports travel is great in giving you a kind of real, a, a focal point and it, it gets you somewhere that you might not otherwise go to. I don't, you know, Australia is perhaps a bit a bit of an extreme example because a lot of people go there anyway, but it, you know, it gives you a, a time a date and a place to be. And then you discover a bit about the country around it. And that was the first time we had traveled for sports um and uh one of our friends i think had, had just booked himself on and me and someone else came along and then you followed him we used a travel can- counselor i remember his name paul mavel
0: paul travel yeah yeah i remember him i don't know why he yeah. still
1: does it and yeah. uh, he just you know we told him where we wanted to be and when and uh he kind of booked, booked everything um, oh, okay yeah it all, I think it was, uh, was it Malaysia Airlines, are they still around now? Yeah, I
0: think it was, yeah, yeah,
1: it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Malaysia yeah. Airlines there, I can remember the other flight over there, We the, the, the Perth test match had already started, so England, it, it was already, um, I think, 1-0 to England, wasn't it? Yeah. There had been tests had gone on, and, and we started, we were flying out during the Perth test to be there for either day three or four, I can't yeah. remember, so there was a lot of nervous excitement, I think it's the first time, you know, all of us have been away from home properly, for a, a long period of time, you know, we have done weekends away in UK and Europe. Um, but I can I can vividly remember now on the second leg of the flight uh, from Kuala Lumpur to Singapore, going for the hot curry option <laughs> oh, and sleep, because that was the only way I was going to survive. It was one of the hottest things I'd ever eaten. <laughs> 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 what comes back and then yeah we ended up in perth you know we went to the cricket there but because we, we were staying with family still yeah um you know again it felt a bit uh you know a bit familiar um like uh you know you could 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 be anywhere in a way but then it was when we went over to Melbourne I think in that famous test match you know we flew over on Christmas day um and it was it was that that day Christmas day that night that boxing day test when Australia were bowled out for like 97. I think instantly we're like, wow, we are, we are part of something. You know, we are really, really part of something. Here. And that's what what sports travel gives you, really.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, for Perth also, I think we actually needed to stay with your family from a sense that, for me, i opening in terms of going that long haul, never been anywhere further than maybe two hours in Europe on a flight. And I think I needed probably a bit of a homely feel just to settle in because we stayed at your family's. I think, and I think it well. helped us, I think.
1: Yeah, she cooked us a nice Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve. I can always remember that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, and it kind of helped us. Um, kind of know Perth also goes to the test for a few days, but yeah, Melbourne was the real, I guess, what you say, traveling experience because we're on our own. There's no.
1: That's it, and, and Perth itself is quite a quite a a different place. I say it's, it's it is it is the most isolated city in the world, isn't it? And that yeah. that comes that comes out because it's really quite it's quite a small place, isn't it? And and um, not not the biggest city. But even then, like when we were kind of dipping into the, you know, um some of the England fans and some of the stuff going on, that waterside bar and and I think even the, the kind of there's a lot of gallows humour there, wasn't there? England yeah. lost they've been held. and uh but that was just a really fun a really kind of fun afternoon. But it was it kind of then escalated really in Melbourne when um that's when you know it, it but it's weird how like a test match That's why I think we all, or people who love cricket, love Test cricket above all else because a Test match is kind of life in a microcosm. In a way, it just there's periods where nothing happens, can explode into life. It can, it can just change. It can be bright, sunny. It can be cold and wet. You'll get all four seasons. You'll have early starts, late finishes, disappointments, interruptions. But it was just, it just felt like it mattered so much. And I looked at it, and he went to like the fourth morning. That day, I mean, there's the famous boxing day, like when, yeah, say, England blew yeah. them away. But I've got a pretty vivid memory as well. of, um, And it was pretty full then, but it, it was kind of only England fans left by the end. And yeah, all, it was one in the yeah. morning, freezing cold, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, it's like, like 13 or
0: 14 degrees or something. Was like, yeah. yeah. And I would
1: come grossly underprepared for like,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, when you go from Perth, like mid, well, nearly 40 degrees watching a test match, um, I mean, who can blame us? We didn't probably expect it to be like 15, 16 degrees. But yeah. in Perth, I remember I don't even remember this. There was a, a guy in front of us sitting there. And this is quite an important moment in my travel career, really, is I said to him, Oh, what's Perth like to live in? And he goes, Oh, great place. Like we'll never go anywhere else. His dad's from Leeds. And he said, Oh, if you come here though, you're gonna need a car because it is so sprawled out. Yeah. I was like, all oh, right, but I think you're right, but Perth, it's quite small, but it is sprawled out, so you're gonna have to get a, a car if you wanna live there for a bit, because otherwise I don't know how you get about.
1: Yeah, do do we have a car? No, we, we we're probably driven everywhere, weren't we? By March? I think
0: so. Yeah, yeah. Maybe train uh, trains seem to be uh, around the city, but yeah,
1: yeah. And yeah, it was hot Perth's hot, but it's a good starter. City. It's like a good. I don't know. I feel like it's it's a it's a good place to go to and stop off on route, but it's um a good place to then move on to because it kind of gets you gets you up and running, um with the Australian mannerisms.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it, it prepares you for what for what comes next um yeah it felt, it, it felt like a
0: holiday i think Perth was a holiday first yeah. and then we went over to melbourne that's what that's what it felt like
1: but, but planning wise it was you know i, I think because even getting access to tickets and stuff that was my um my family and members of like either cricket australia or sort of Western or something they're on the list so acquiring tickets was was fairly straightforward unlike perhaps some of the tournaments we will we'll come on to discuss mm. but but it was um it's kind it was a, it was a way of doing it you know you'll see um, although you can get official package tours, as there's, there's several companies that do like package tours to to go and watch England abroad, and they'll usually end up with an extra naught on the end, you know, just for the yeah. sort of service. And, and you know, we ended up with someone good who, you know, just just found us the the, the best deals, the the best way to get around. And to be honest, beyond it was only it was a return flight, an internal flight, and a hotel in Melbourne, so it wasn't actually we probably didn't even need need the assistance really. And I think that kind of helped us in the future to work out, you know, how to say be even more savvy and and yeah. smart with, with budgets and and you know what can be done. I think future. that's the
0: evolution of travel with age. I think, yeah, looking back, like you didn't yeah, we definitely did not need Paul Movel in terms of you know, someone just book tickets for us. But I only comes to experience, like I've never even gone beyond Europe. So
2: going yeah. to Australia
0: for me was like an alien experience. I would probably need someone at that age and time in my life probably to book something like that.
1: Yeah, definitely, yeah. It kind of just shows it can be done. But I can I can remember also the coming home from that is because um, the Ashes England had retained them. They were 2-1 up after Melbourne when they won. And then the Sydney test started on our way home. Yeah. And I remember a real kind of emptiness um, when we got home for the for not being part of it and, like, humming the songs. I still even now hum some of the songs in my head Yeah, um, from, from there. And I, I just felt that was a real – it was just – the shared experience of like something that matters so much but then doesn't even matter at all um and like you know yeah test matches just fitting around your life but when you when you go to one when you go to every single day for one yeah um you you do end up with a routine you know of of eating certain things at certain times drinking certain things going to the same pub afterwards bumping into the the same people we met some right characters didn't we like yeah Bans- I think so we Barnsley Barnsley yeah. Barnsley yeah
0: and the only reason it's called Barnsley you wore a Barnsley t-shirt or shirt <laughs> exactly just
1: <laughs> with Barnsley shirt everywhere
0: didn't even bother to yeah. know his name <laughs> <Bobbers>. <laughs> yeah exactly. yeah Melbourne yeah that's why I kind of have a bit, bit of a deep deep rooted um I don't know love for that trip is because it is so iconic in terms of we just felt yeah part of something and if you know your cricket history that's a that's a monumental occasion, that test, for us to retain the Ashes. That was yeah. huge, considering what's happened yeah, recently.
1: He, well, it's the only one we've won um, overseas since 1986. And mm. I think England have won, was it four or five test matches in Australia this century? Yeah. And three, three of them were in the space of four weeks there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah it's, it's hugely significant um and i've i think yeah i it's, you know obviously prepping for this i it's the phrase i kept coming back to was like coming of age it just yeah it's that's it's a horrible cliche but it is true it just just felt like you know that it yeah, you know, i think that helped shape a lot of the stuff you know to come you know what we're going to do realize you know you can stand on your own two feet you can go mm. far away you can go to these monumental occasions you see on the television and you know these amazing sporting things and it's you know it's so it's easy, but it's you can get there, you can be there, and you can experience it.
0: Yeah, uh, some people have made the same trip for, I guess, maybe with COVID, maybe it's been difficult, but for the latest Ashes test where we lost 4-0 across the series, so it kind of gives you an idea of how good this team was at that time. And that why, uh, that's why I made a bit of a decent trip, because every day, especially in Melbourne, we're just winning. We're just like taking wickets, we're getting runs. Yep. And it's a unique feeling with being cricket that happens. Because me, me and Titch, one of our friends, went to... Yeah, just four years later. And we didn't, I think we saw 28 sessions and we won one and we're there for all 28 sessions. So that gives you an idea of how difficult it is to win in Australia. So mm, and that sorry. kind of makes it feel even more uh, unique in that sense.
1: How did you find going back? Because I think, do you, um, I, I feel this about when I, like when I uh, go away on holiday sort of at home and that, is that we try um never to go back to the same place because you i think you you slip into the danger of trying to replicate what's yep. gone before you end up going to the same bars and and that's kind of why i was hesitant or ha- i haven't been back since because not because it wouldn't get any better than that but because i think you just you're in danger of chasing the same the same thing does that make yeah any sense? yeah that's yeah
0: absolutely right know? yeah i think a great trip don't get me wrong titch come across to meet me in australia i was, I was already there on a work visa but and i kind of felt like in between melbourne and Western Australia had a bit, well, a month gap before I'll go and see the Ashes. And we were just torrid that te- that, that series I like, was getting dealt with. And we had some funny times, but yeah, it's not quite, it just wasn't quite, it just wasn't as good. I, I can't really put it any other way. It, we, we were chasing that sort of iconic mm-hmm. part of a movement, which wasn't really happening because we weren't winning. And we didn't see, we, we did mingle with Slingham fans. It wasn't the same, like all the characters we met on our trip. Yeah. Uh, Barnsley and Neil Arras and all these sort of people that yeah, yeah just not there that, to make it even better.
1: That's the thing. And I, I'd imagine there was a lot more people coming over anyway that time, probably chasing the same yeah. winning feeling. Was it I've heard was it thirty, forty thousand? I'm trying to think back now. Like when we were there, it was probably for those Melbourne Sydney ones, you might get like ten, fifteen thousand, but I, I swear I've heard like thirty to forty thousand people were coming over for those um for those tests around Christmas, New Year.
0: Yeah, it almost felt uh, England dominated actually. On that, on that series that me and Titch went to on our own. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're right. I, I felt that we were in the minority on that 10-11 trip because um, I, we were good, but I don't think anyone expected that to really kick off like, the way it did, right? So, no, it
1: was special. It was, yeah, a special thing to be part of.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anything sort of finishing comments on Melbourne, 10-11, um, Ashes trip? I thought, yeah, we kind of covered how we booked. Um, I can't remember where we stayed, actually, in Melbourne. You
1: remember where we stayed? It was a fairly generic hotel, I think. It was Right.
0: In the Flinders Street, maybe. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's
1: been nondescript. I think it was. Um, yeah, I think it was one up from a hostel, wasn't it? It was just a fairly. We didn't want a hostel, did we? We just it was just a hotel.
0: Yeah, and because I came in late, I didn't have a bed, so I had to sleep on the floor, which caused a few problems.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I can remember that as well. Yeah. Home <laughs> yeah, so room, wasn't it? Yeah, I can remember someone having a laptop and watching some football on the. Didn't Gary Neville retire? i got a vague memory of watching football. Gary Neville, it was against West Prom, don't know how I can remember this, put in an absolutely appalling performance and we watched it live at God knows what time and thought oh, Neville was rubbish and was subbed at half-time and retired, I think, a few days later.
0: No memory of that. Could have been that. Was that the 5-5 game? No, no, no. It was, no. was
1: Jack, wasn't it? So, um, okay. Yeah. Random.
0: random, yeah. I just remember sleeping on the floor. Not ideal with some of the sessions that we had, but... It, that's my fault coming in late. The, the reason I came in late, if people want to know, is because I wasn't really part of the original party, and also I had a bit of a in year 2010. So I thought, fuck it, I'm going to go away and just um do something real left field for me. So I joined those guys for the trip, and it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. Good. Right, good times. Next trip is is a huge one. So the evolution is that's 2010, 11. The next was Euro 2012 in Ukraine. And this was decided that we're going to drive there from London to Donetsk. And this is where Mark came into his own in terms of um, providing transport or planning that route with his friend Stuart. So talk to us about that trip. I I always thought it was on the cards. Um, But can you remember the sort of pre-planning for that?
1: Yeah, I remember this happening quite late, I think in kind of in the springtime Okay. I might have just been idly looking on the UEFA website to see oh, if you can get tickets to go to the England games in the Ukraine? And uh, you could. <laughs> so uh, there weren't very much. Yeah, they were in Donetsk. So there was, there was three group games. Donetsk is in the far east of Ukraine. And then Kiev, there was the middle game there. Then they went back to Donetsk. So we thought, actually, we could do this. And for some reason, we decided to drive because it's part of my job driving i've done a few sort of road trippy sort of stories and and got used to doing big miles so you kind of become slightly immune to you know distances by the time but then that was something else it was just over two thousand miles to drive to donetsk uh and we we did it in three days um this i think on this was a quite extraordinary eye-opening experience Mm. um I think in terms of how quickly you can cover ground, how extraordinary vast Europe is, yeah. how quickly landscapes can change, even in, you know, seemingly developed part of the world, um, how it can just not all be as it seems, um, how, I know, I know everyone's, how other people are really friendly, but but how the kind of, the publicity, I can remember a lot of the publicity in the, in the build-up to this tournament. Yeah. Saying it was going to be dominated by um, hooligans, yeah, uh, and like there was going to be Russian and Ukrainian football hooligans waiting for for England fans, and um, there was a panorama documentary mm. that was really really high profile at the time. Um, I can really remember that and thinking, Christ, is this is this the right thing to do?" Um, but we but we got there, uh, yeah, a brilliant Land Rover Discovery, and there was five of us um, in a big seven seater. We, we we set off, didn't we, on a on one evening, the, the eve of the tournament before the first game. Yeah. And all we planned to do on the first night was get the other side of the channel, um uh, tunnel. So we just pitched up in Calais. Yeah. And up early and then started driving across Europe. We made it to Krakow in the sort of southeast... Is it southeast? of is Poland, is yeah, it? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I sort of gener- <laughs> generically say south,
1: but yeah, southeast is... Yeah, uh, it kind of... And so we covered France... Belgium, Holland, Germany, uh, and then into Poland. And even, it it was just an incredibly long distance. Yeah, it was, yeah. Only day one of any kind of travel there. And I can remember we were hearing, already hearing horror stories about the Germany-Poland border about, it was Friday, it was gonna be Russia, it's gonna be really busy, it's down Mm. to one lane. And then you kind of, yeah, the landscape had already started to change west to east in Germany. Um, but then as soon as you hit Poland, actually the roads improved Bizarrely, yeah. Germany, it was a brand new EU motorway. It was incredible. It ran all the way, I guess, sort of snaked across, um, from the sort of West of Poland, about sort of nine o'clock on the clock face to the middle and then down. And that the sort of pitch, we, we covered all that in about two, three hours, um, And I arrived in Krakow on a bit of a high. Um,
0: Yeah, that was a a buzzing night, wasn't it? I think. That was good fun. I mean, that kind of shows the sort of best, the the best kind
2: of
1: experiences you can have are are places. You you kind of hear it as a bit of a stag do
2: Yeah,
1: But it was was way more than that. It it kind of, a lot of those old European, Eastern European cities was just really beautiful, wasn't it? Like, really sort of stunning the architecture, the sort of cafe culture is really, really warm. And the tournament started that night, and Poland were playing. I think, I think they drew, didn't they? Well, I've got a, f- got a vague memory of them, them. You know, fans being pretty happy. Yeah. Uh, you know, there wasn't many England um, there at all because not many England fans were travelling there at all, and England were based in the Ukraine rather than Poland. And mm. you're, you know, naturally you would be probably flying. You know, but yeah, of course. We, yeah. we kind of worked out how tricky flights would be, and because you know you get, um, you know, we could could get ourselves a nice car um you know people who are willing to drive the distances and the kind of experience of the journey um was so worth it but then on the then on the second day is where it it kind of starts to the, the basically you cannot cover the distances in right. eastern you can in western Europe. You are as soon as we got out of Krakow, it was down to it was single not single track roads but single lane, wasn't it single lane carriageway. And it was like that pretty much the whole way. Yeah. And then as soon as we got into Ukraine, so it took us, you know, we thought we'd be at the border in no time, but but it took us ages to get to the border. And then in Ukraine, wow, the roads were terrible. Abysmal. Like, like you can, it was, I think we were just stunned. Like within about 10 kilometres, we'd seen horse and carts. and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was just, it was, it was, yeah, like wow, this I'm is the opening. I think, is, is we've massively, I was yeah, we've massively underestimated um, yeah. just how far this is going to be. And I, th- I'm, I I know we hadn't booked anywhere to stay that night, we were yeah. Cold. We get to Kiev, and we were and we got told, don't the only thing we got told is don't drive at night,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and we were absolutely miles short of Kiev, and I think morale <laughs> had sat. I think it's fair to say. Yes. When we, when we were okay, we're not travelling on the autobahns at unlimited speeds. Exactly, anything.
0: yeah.
2: Mm.
1: 130 clicks. We're going, you know, 90 kilometres per hour. You, you dare not pass because you're in a left-hand drive car and there's, there's Ben's. There was speed cameras. there was police stations everywhere, wasn't there? Like yeah, the yeah. Cameras, Just yeah. Everywhere you went, there was, seemed to be a little like hut appear, police hut, and... And we then, um, you know, obviously you don't want to speed anyway, but you you mm-hmm. you then you, you just had no idea of the tolerance and, um, you know, what it was. And, yeah, I've, I've skipped the border a bit, but even the border crossing took a long yeah. time, didn't it? Yeah,
0: do you remember? <laughs> yeah, just to finish on Krakow, I think the, the reason that we were so buzzing is for me two reasons. We made real good ground, autobahn, brilliant, as fast as you want, and we absolutely levered it on that, and we we made some ground. But I remember the Airbnb in Krakow being awesome. I think we weren't really...
2: We saw the pictures,
0: yeah, okay, well, and we turned it like, Wow, this is like middle of the city, great. Like, it's almost like a a luxury apartment. And I couldn't believe that we were for the price staying in that that apartment. So I think that's just the perfect day, really.
1: Yeah, because, yeah, I'm thinking about now, yeah, we only booked the first night. We booked the one in Calais, and that was it. Yeah, we, yeah, we we just decided we'd book en route as we went. And you're right, yeah, in Krakow, which is actually a really... Of, well obviously very developed, very advanced sort yeah. of western city, really, and very, very easy to, to come by accommodation. And we thought we'd just we'd just pick off the next you know 700 miles or whatever it was. Yeah. Same cover, the same ground the next day, and then do the same the next day and that'd be fine. But but and then we I think we we stumbled across probably one of the the, the all-time great vines, isn't it? The, yeah. the cabins.
0: Yeah, before we get to log cabin though, and uh, you know the border of Ukraine, I don't even remember this. So he, the, the guy was taking our passports, and he gave mine back, or he took mine. I can't remember which, which way around. He went, oh, James," I went, "Nah, it's James, mate." And I think everyone in the car was like James, just like just to say yeah, like no to correct him. <laughs> the border, I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, whatever." And I, I definitely it was a great move, but I remember distinctly being EU Great Roads. Over the border, like you said, single track, horse and cart. Wow, what was what this? And yeah, we we fell behind and got to log cabin night. And the question I was going to ask you is, you know, in these days, everyone's got a phone, right? But in 2012, I didn't have a smartphone. Did you have a an early iPhone in those days? Because I remember you yeah. potentially booking stuff on the way. I can't remember.
1: Yeah, I think one of our friends Sam did, didn't he? I think he was the only one with a bit of a. Right, I, I might have had one, but it might have been in the days where you were kind of scared. I, I think I carried an old phone. I was using an old phone because I thought I don't want to travel in case I lose it sort of thing. So I think we, and like roaming chart, that's roaming was through the roof. So yeah, it's like a couple of quid a day, but yeah, 10 years ago, roaming wasn't really a thing. It was, it was a classic, you know, send a text, cost a quid, make a phone call as a fiver, go on the internet while you <laughs> need to like remortgage your house. Um, yeah. But in, you know, it was a bit easier in, in, um, you know, phone signal was still pretty good then, but uh, yeah, be, then it was hard. You're right. I, yeah, I've got not that many pictures of that
2: trip. Actually. Yeah. I've got
0: I've think... got hardly any. So I, I, yeah. was, I was trying to wrap my brains. Like how did we, because we didn't plan any accommodation, because we didn't really know where we were going to be. So how did we actually on the way get something done? I can't really recall it. So it must have been Sam with his, potentially with his phone. And yeah. we used it.
1: Well, but then you're right, that, and it made mapping hard because it was um, yes. pretty primitive. There was no maps. Maps was a place we came to on the way back that was actually like three miles away from where it said it was. And that is yeah. an absolute needle in a haystack when you're, when you're trying to find something in a, in a place where no one speaks English. Um, but obviously the, the, the signage was was all in sort of Cillian scripts. Um, is it Cillian? I think so. And uh, all of the Russian script is. Yeah, And uh, it... Like no maps, the, the sat nav was incredibly primitive. and yes, it was fine for kind of up to Poland, but east of Krakow, it kind of ran out. It Descended, <laughs> and it, it kind of had you know had to think about a bit of stuff, didn't it? um But it it was it was hard, and I think the the novelty of the distance quickly wore it, off.
0: It did, and I think um this sounds like uh, this the, this chat here sounds like archaic times. This is only ten years ago. Um, I know, unbelievable what you think, think, think now like yeah it won't be those problems but yeah 10 years ago it just wasn't as easy as to whack your phone out and see where you are which begs the question yeah. how the hell did we find log cabin night as a night like, that combination
1: <laughs> it was getting gloomy wasn't it it yeah. was a pretty gloomy and like we told don't drive at night we thought we could make it to Kiev, but even that sounds incredible like kiev second biggest city in the old soviet union and just saying oh we'll just stay there and think like if you drive in to london or whatever even then, yeah, you'll find a Premier Inn, but when it's all in, you know, a completely another country, another language, another alphabet, Yeah. how do you know where to stay even then? So yeah. I think we were just pretty naive in what we thought. But we saw, I think we drove past these cabins at first. I thought, oh, that's that's accommodation. Mm. Uh, and then just went, oh, no, let's do it. And turned around, went back the two or three miles. And uh, yeah, it was a kind of a bit of an oasis, wasn't it? In uh, Dream, yeah. It was just incredible. Like, uh, we must have had some food, I can't remember. But I remember <laughs> there being a, a, a bus full of sweets, Swedes. Swedes, like, yeah, sweet, the Swedish, like, Swedish crew there. That's it, they were. But then also, a wedding was yeah. ongoing, and to get to the bar you had to walk through this wedding which yeah. um we were really apprehensive and nervous about but no one cared at all.
0: No, I, th- I, <laughs> think we, I think we even joined them with the dancing at a dancing at some point. Yeah <laughs> well I, I've,
1: I've had a pretty vivid memory where I can remember we were then so sort of everything about it is cabins from accommodation to bar and it's just dotted everywhere and we just went to you know quietly sit one and then a lot of the the, the locals or not a lot like three or four of the locals came out um you know, in the middle of the woods, in the dark, middle of nowhere, thought, oh, God, how is this going to play out? Yeah. And I'm speaking very, very broken English, but I can really remember one of them coming up to me and going, we are, we are not racist. Ukrainian people, we are not racist. The the BBC documentaries on our country, um, they're not, that is not us. That is not a representative. So it, the, the Panorama documentaries about yes. the feeling and how had even made it back to kind of middle of nowhere ukraine yeah i'm sort of mortified about how their country was being um portrayed and it you know and it, it just shows the sort of the, the the folly really of um you know how you can of how how a country with limited international exposure can you know gain a completely unwarranted representation uh, well, so demonized
0: of, really weren't they yeah yeah and I, it was I mean, like, yeah. yeah so I remember he gave i think he had a bottle of vodka for us he said oh, oh here's yeah. like here's a like a token of a gesture, like sure as like we're not racist. Enjoy your night. Um, I think he even offered me or us a bit of pork fat and bread. It was, well, it, was
1: bread it was bread, pork fat, onion, vodka. Yeah. yeah, And, was, yeah. Like, and that pork bread. fat
0: was grim. That was absolutely disgusting. It was,
1: pretty, it was, yeah, even buying into raw onion, but the culture around vodka there was a, an open bottle is an empty bottle. So yeah. like, at the end of the night, God, here we go. Um, it was, it was just, and it, awesome shared experience because I think the Swedish lads sort of came as well, but I think that was an incredible, like, lifting of spirits, wasn't it? I think it was, just it needed. That, yeah, that was the real, that was probably, even to this day, the most different experience or night I think I've ever had. Like, when you when you think of how, how far you were from home mm. around people, language, cult, like, you know, somewhere you, you wouldn't even find on the map
0: yeah yeah you can't even plan that can't plan it
1: no idea where it is I could drive you around and and not find it no idea the people didn't and it had had an amazing shared experience uh (laughs) that we still now even just giggle to ourselves about about just how crazy it was and I think that kind of then set the tone for the whole rest of the trip really and when actually it's far less about it it becomes about the journey and I think Mm. that's that's another thing about a road trip is that you can you can over plan them in a way you can yeah. you can try and go cover too much and we did try and cover too much distance in too short a time you, you kind of you need to allow yourself time to um you know explore and immerse yourself on route i've got a, a colleague of mine did a story a few years ago he went on the route 66
0: oh yeah yeah but
1: he did it in 10 days oh wow four thousand miles and all it is, day after day of driving and driving through just like there's I no value
0: know. in that no and it, unless you really, want to test the car out
1: yeah well it's uh you know it was a, it was amazing like picture story and it was a brilliant yeah. story because it just it sort of said everything we're saying here is so actually take the time yeah. so when you don't look at driving and road trips as a substitute for flying or, or, or train because it's not driving is a very different thing and and you need to drive to enjoy the journey um, and the experience not just to cover as amount of distance in as, as short a time as possible particularly when you're going somewhere somewhere is as, as so remote vast. and vast as that
0: yeah that's a great that's a great comment actually that's I've been on a few podcasts before people ask what's the number one travel tip for me and it is take the time so that kind of uh, plays into what you're just saying there. That if you can, if you've got the time and money to, um, especially with road trips, you're, ta- you're totally right. You don't want to. Who wants to? If you're trying to see a place, why do you want to drive every day? You're gonna have to. People to understand this, like, ah, uh, it takes five days to get from here to Toronto driving. Yeah, that's driving eight, ten hours every day. Yeah, well, you'd be you'd be like in daylight driving pretty much and not seeing anything. So you kind of need to include that in your trip if you if you want to plan something because you can't just dismiss it. And yep. that log cabin night, I that that was just a concoction of different cultures, locals, us, Swedish, broken English everywhere, drinking vodka, having a good time, shared experiences, and yeah, I think we absolutely needed that. And it was pushing down the rain as well. That seemed to recall. That was an incredible.
1: Tip, incredible storm. Where our friends, lovely white new trainers, are walking the dark to <laughs> the cabin. <canyon>. Yeah. <laughs> they were brown and it was, uh, yeah, they were ruined effectively.
0: The um, yeah, only downside of that is we left late the next day, right? That seems well, very I, cool.
1: think, I think with no, no one again, like you know, alarm, you still have an alarm clocks then. alarm. But the morale was back to zero again by that point, because it well, was this incredible night, but, but wanting to leave, hit the raid for like seven, seven or whatever it thing you know it's 10 o'clock.
0: Yeah. yeah. You're
1: done. You know, you, you, you know, you're, you're, your day's gone. Yeah. Because we had to get to Donetsk, which was still, we were still a couple of hours west of Kiev, I'd imagine. Yeah. And then and then at Kiev, I can remember we had a, the map was as crude as there was like one road heading west, uh, one mapped road to Kiev in Ukraine. And then you had a choice of going, sort of keep on going east to then go south, Dnipro, whatever yeah. the rest, Dnipro or something, um, mm-hmm. or this other road to the south. And we picked, because there was no, you can't go on Google Maps and route it and go, okay, <laughs> yeah. this one. oh, actually, even though it looks further, it's actually quicker. And we went the Dnipro route. And it, I, I think we, when we did manage to find a laptop and look it up, it probably added another couple of hours.
0: Yeah, big time. Uh,
1: And it, it, took, it took forever to get to Dnipro. And it meant that um, by the time we hit Donetsk, we'd broken our rule of, of driving the dark. And I can remember, do you remember seeing that about, an hour outside Donetsk, there was there was like a fatal car crash, wasn't there? The police were there, and there was someone like, rapp- like I can't remember that. Yeah, I have no collection. It was. I mean, I was. I, you know, I assume it was fatal. It looked, looked terrible. Mm. Um, but that was a kind of like wow. These roads, are, you know, you always wonder how can people sort of crash in a, in a straight line? But it's yeah, yeah, um, mm. it's fatigue. It, it's incredibly. Yeah, you know, above all, trying to cover that much distance is is kind of dangerous because it it puts too much stress and strain on the driver. And luckily, we were sharing the driving a bit. You I know, mean, it wasn't just one person, but it it becomes pretty energy sapping, like mm-hmm. mentally and, and like. But it meant we when we got to Donetsk finally, I think we had booked somewhere to stay in Donetsk. Um, the hostel, right? Yeah, pretty.
0: Grotto
1: <laughs> thinking okay we'll get there It was late, it was dark at that point But we'll check in, have a shower No, no, and then have a nice beer somewhere. No, no, we're open, we're into town I think we just wrote that Wrote that day and night off and <laughs> Yeah sat,
0: sat in the uh, reflection chair in the hostel dorm If you remember I that say, Yeah, it was Yeah. A, sort of like reflecting the other, day Yeah, Yeah. I mean, wow But it was it's just uh, a warm hostel, do you remember that? So warm, I couldn't get caught cool. I couldn't get cool That's what awesome. I remember
1: it was um, it was really unpleasant that place yeah um, but again it's part of the experience like you know it, it's the only we ended up there because it was the only place in um, donetsk that allowed that appeared on an internet search to book
0: yes so yeah.
1: you know now i'd imagine you know there's probably everywhere one. yeah
0: yeah well
1: donetsk politically is is well geographically has changed its border isn't it since yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: it's also remarkable Come on that in a minute. But, um, you know, it was the only place you could book because it was the only place that had a website. And that's, and that's proven ago.
0: with the following days and all the England fans that just flooded the hostel. Yeah. Because when we arrived there, there was actually hardly anyone there. And the next two, well, day or two afterwards, there was this full that's England it. fans.
1: Yeah. So we had the, then the game day, wasn't it? The next day. Yeah. Which was, uh, yeah, I think that kind of, <laughs> you know, without being too disparaging about um, our fellow. Countrymen's yeah. behaviour overseas leaves a lot lot to be desired when it comes to
0: Yeah, basic. <laughs> yeah, um, I, think it, I think it let's not go into too many details, but I just recall for for example, you know, to keep it slightly family friendly here, we went to the Golden Nine pub, which is actually weirdly an English name pub in Donetsk, where all the fans obviously congregated. And of course there's drinking going on, we expect, but I don't even remember this. It's just people booting a ball in the air. That's that's basically the the premise of the entertainment is yeah. boozing and Trying booting a ball, uh,
1: someone jumping in bush a rose bush just because yeah. he could. cut with thorns it, over his face. But that was also for That was our first ever experience of watching England away. Like yeah, 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 Sort of thing you want as a football fan. You want to go and watch your country play. But I think I, I think with what we've learned, I learned probably within about an hour or two of just one trip of first of several. Is that watching England away is great, but just do your own thing. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's if you you might as well stay at home and watch it in the local Weatherspoons, um, because you know you have to. Watching England away gives you an opportunity to to visit somewhere. You know, you would never would never go to we Would never go to Ukraine. I can't. You yeah. know, it's a great country, but you know it wouldn't be. Wouldn't be sort of top of the list of places when you're planning to go, but no. it, it gets you there. Like the, these, these places, these fixtures, like they, they, they took us all the way across Ukraine by car. Remarkable time on the way to the city of Donetsk, um, which is now Russia. Never go to, uh, which is now, and yeah, yeah it happened, the, the political that like, was. I remember after the game. I mean, the game pretty forgettable as most England experiences were. One one wasn't it against France? Decent, decent result there. Yeah, I, can remember, I remember then, there are afterwards, a really quite hostile atmosphere yeah. back in the town because, because of the proximity um, of uh, Donetsk to the Russian, then Russian border. Um, and England fans of a certain type, you know, pretty intoxicated and... And then Russian fan, or you know, it wasn't, it, it didn't feel like Ukraine, did it? It felt
0: no. like being a yeah.
2: that was absolutely
1: Russian playing that night, didn't they? I think they might have won? I'm, 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 let's say they won, I don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of Russian sort of cars and flag milling around, and it, I've got, I can't remember too much. I just remember it being not the most comfortable environment to be in, not the most com- like, not, not somewhere you'd want to hang around. Yeah,
0: I think we. Oh, I can't really remember I did I think we watched the game went out, maybe had a few drinks, but that you know when you're kind of having a bit of a, it's a session, or whatever, but you feel it, I don't think we felt it. I think we just felt like maybe a few drinks dissect the game, yeah, get back to the hostel, probably. and then we, we obviously decided to leave early because we just felt we ought to go west at that point
1: that's it so I mean, we'd had we'd actually booked in for three nights and we but we stayed too yeah. so after that night, um which again like is I don't. I, kind of sums up the mood of a place um that you don't really want to hang around and we headed back west with uh with nowhere to go like yeah kiev and we couldn't check into our accommodation but it's donetsk which kind of shows how i'm kind of really glad we went because if you think of now it's you know everything how the russia ukraine situation since they invaded crimea what was that late 2013 2014 within about 18 months donetsk was in russian hands and is it's, it's a disputed republic in internationally now um the stadium we watched the game in hasn't hosted a game of football since and mm-hmm. i think i about saying to nets play their games in Kiev or Libya,
2: yeah they
0: do it? yeah yeah, yeah. The,
1: the, the the shiny new stadium you know the, all the infrastructure all the investment that had been made into the the city and that brought the football tournament putting it on the map um is now i don't know i think it is uh, yeah, there's not much of a legacy there. It was pretty high
0: yeah. opinion, um, and a pretty. It's a bit tragic, isn't it? Um,
1: it's sad. Like again, I I, I can't so I can't recall the people we met because I just don't think we, because of our naivety, you know, we just went straight to the beacon of England for you know, yeah, home comfort. We didn't we didn't really experience any Ukraine internet, and we didn't probably give it the chance we should have done. But that's because it just felt it just felt unwelcoming, probably because. Of the sort of behaviour of the England fans, but also the sort of um, the sort of the the, the, the Russian population, their, their unwillingness for for England people to be so provocatively taking over
0: their town centre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand what you say. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah.
1: so we headed west, didn't we? I can remember, but not before. Yes. Our, our, I can remember everyone. We were due to go on Radio Norfolk, weren't we, that morning to... Uh, can you remember this? Yeah, and, did we uh, sack
0: it off or did we carry it well, off? I remember
1: we, we all... The phone rang, the, phone, the mobile rang, and we all claimed to have slept through it, but everyone quite, quite clearly heard it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah. I do not think anyone was in the mood after two couple of days of travelling, a kind of fairly eye-opening day watching our, our country's behaviour abroad. Um, yeah. So then want <laughs> wanted to talk about it.
0: But we had in- I think it was Sam's phone, I think, because I think he had been on the radio, maybe on the way there. I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think he was, was doing a few skits there for like a couple of minutes on the way. Yeah, um, yeah, um, no one, no one fancied that morning.
1: They didn't, they didn't ring us back again.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't, did they? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. He left a day early from Donetsk, and no plan, no route. I guess we're kind of winging it. I suppose at this point,
1: we were. So I think yeah, this just carrying on with the theme. So it was, it would, we'd, we'd book the. Book the You know, the cities we were staying in, but the, the travel en route, no plans at all. But this is when, as I said before, there was, there was on the map we had, there was only two roads back to Kiev or from mm. Kiev, so the Dnipro one and the other one that went through a town right in the middle of the city or towns, it turned out, in the middle of Ukraine called Chikassi. And yeah. we decided, well, for variety's sake, we'll let, we need to get out of Donetsk and uh, let's maybe go and stay there the night on the way to Kiev. And stay there the night, you're probably still looking at about three, four hundred miles and then another two, three hundred miles the other side. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, Kiev, uh, Ukraine's quite split by a river, isn't it? I think yeah. it's a really massive river across. And yeah, that's in sits very close to that. Um, but that was somewhere where um, on the smartphone, and we we did have uh, somewhere, we did find somewhere to stay. It, it looked almost like quite of the most Western place we could find in that side of, that side of, um, that side of uh, of Ukraine, and it's amazing how you know. I think you can go two ways of, of, of when you're traveling: is you, you want to kind of escape um, from kind of normality, or mm. you actually you really want to seek it. And I think quite quickly after you know the, the experiences we'd had since leaving Krakow, in Poland, we are actually after a bit of normality, yeah, a bit exactly. of English food or you know, just <laughs> just chips or, or just something <laughs> weird and like uh, you know a nice normal bed and something that just looked familiar and sort of homely and and, yeah found this place and thought let's go for it went on this road um and two real big moments about this is is on route so again nothing on the map we drove through a town or so it's probably a city that was entirely a ghost city do you remember that it was um
0: it
1: was tower block after tower block of they're either burnt out ransacked there was not a single other car we went past not a single person yeah. and it was it was like a dystopian film set it was really it was really weird
0: i think we're like, like what really, is this i think we're just like wow
1: like now you'd film it you'd get your smartphone. yeah 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 film absolutely it yeah. film it or you, but because it's another place where we had no idea it wasn't on the map no smartphones so yeah. what was it i don't know and that's <laughs> I think that added to the aura of the trip, didn't it, in a way? Yeah, yeah. You can have, Mystery. You have too much information to hand and it can kind of ruin the, you don't know, your imagination mm. can allow our imaginations to run away, but didn't it, thinking, wow, where are we? This Yeah, is just, yeah. This is incredible. And I can, yeah, even now, it's, your, your mind takes pictures and I can, I'm there now, I'm driving through it <laughs> and uh, thinking this is just, where are we? This is nuts.
0: It's just its just a real, it's really hard to describe because now you can see a- anything on phones and internet, but that oh, I guess they're classic Soviet Union tower blocks, but they're huge. They're, yeah, they're huge. They
1: were enormous, weren't they? And they were by the dozen. There was, they yeah. were everywhere. But maybe yeah. that's an exaggeration. Maybe they weren't. Maybe that's how I, I remember Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Sort of just seeming like a cityscape that was just like unmapped and, and derelict and abandoned. Uh,
0: All I've got in my mind is like Chernobyl, for example. Imagine that, think, but on a yeah. on a lower scale.
1: Yeah, that's how. Yeah, you kind of see the images. I think we probably even were saying, "Oh, it's this Chernobyl." Like, not- <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I think we did actually.
1: Yeah. And, and like, you know, without a map, I mean, what we weren't? But it it just had that had that feel, didn't it? When you think yeah. of like abandoned Ukrainian cities, uh, yeah, it had that sort of air to it. Um, but that was that was on the way. But I, this was how. Um, how reliant so the little bit of technology we did have or whatever phone might be able to have the dial up connection um on the map that, that and I can remember the internet being about five or a megabyte or something like that and you'd get mm. a text brook and Sam our friend I see him he was getting text and he spent 60 quid 90 quid and we were just trying to find this um hotel would book and it was on the map um, it was on Google showing us here but it was actually two miles in reality, it was two yeah. miles east. You ring them up, no one speaks English at all. And we were really facing a night where, like, from having real spirits lifted, like, wow, this looks really good. The booking can't wait. Um, it again shows how massively reliant we are on technology and, uh, you know, maps and accuracy of maps.
0: Just couldn't uh, find it, we just could not find it. Didn't exist, did uh, it. And I think. Personally, I think I started to worry. I was like, yeah, so this place looks actually like all right, you're Cassie, but didn't seem plethora of options in terms of somewhere to stay right. that were easily recognizable. I think bloody hell, like we we could be in trouble here.
1: It's small to I, I from memory, it, it's small town, wasn't it? Like it yeah. looks like on it's one of only about five cities that appeared on the map um, in the whole of Ukraine, or six maybe, and um, and it just was tiny. And as I mean maybe there were more places to say, but they certainly weren't, you know, showing up on any search results. or Yeah. And, but in that place, you, you know, you're, you might have a few more, or maybe the odd. Kiev was Knib wasn't it? How it was written. Yeah. that as a sign, but beyond that, um absolutely no idea. We could have been anywhere, but we did. I can't remember how we did find. We just drove around every road, didn't we, until we found it.
0: Yeah, I think it's was was the was the name of that.
1: It, it was a bit of a ranch, isn't it? It was a bit sort of like a like a. Don't know like a texan mini ranch isn't it? overlooking
0: the river right or the i think it's, I think it's the Dnipro yeah. river um but the setting was just incredible it was quite nice weather the hotel was great or whatever it was and we just felt oh yeah a bit of, bit of comfort
1: yeah yeah it was fun it had yeah i'd imagine i think probably had our chips <laughs> yeah i'd imagine yeah, that. Yeah. The, i think we were then right back in the ukraine we'd, we'd found 48 hours, 48 hours earlier, which is when we were in um, the log cabins. But yeah. we, there was a bowling alley on site and um, we just met some great local. We kind of got back to the most enjoyable element of the trip, which wasn't watching England or, or you know, or being in the cities of the England family. It was just being in the places you, you were passing through. Mm. The, 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 the famous bowling alley where one of our friends, who was rubbish, managed to get a strike. He was taken out back slightly worryingly (laughs) and came back out with a bottle of vodka. (laughs) So uh, it was just one of those like, wow, okay, this is
0: this is happening again. I think Anthony was like, uh, yeah, I've never really bowled my life. I'm crap. But somehow managed to get a strike. Unreal. What a moment.
1: It was. And that that was just like it was just heartwarming, wasn't it? And it just just I think it was kind of rejuvenating. Yes. but, yeah. You know, it was another big day on the road, and it wasn't. It wasn't the most enjoyable time in Donetsk and the travel getting there. But I think we're because we're already turned around. we have probably already covered three thousand miles at this point. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Donetsk
1: and then back again. You know, you're already kind of on the way home, even though you're halfway through the trip, and then hitting the the, the
0: city of Kiev. Yeah, Kiev was uh, well, not the last of the trip, but obviously the main part in terms of the football. I guess we're going to see a game there, which. It's actually one of my favorite games I've seen. Sweden versus England.
1: Yeah, that was. I've uh, not too many memories about um, Kiev itself. remember the the the, the, yeah. the subway system was very very deep underground, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, and it was just a. It was kind of like a like a a, a built up working, you like a working city, wasn't it? Rather Huge. A, yeah, massive metropolis rather than a a kind of pretty European square like a. Like a Krakow or something, and it was very obvious there was a football tournament going. That had the feel as a fan zone, wasn't there? And yes, a lot yeah, there of was. different nationalities and and fans of different countries. So that that had this sort of more coming together feeling to it. I think for the for the first time, it kind of felt like we were at a football tournament. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in the fan zones was good fun, and and uh, yeah, it was it was, a, it was a, a a good experience.
0: I think we stayed quite far out of town. Um,
1: it's, yeah, we're definitely on the it. metro. Some have
0: no idea where it was. Um, definitely on the metro. And I think uh, we spoke to a local or maybe even the owner and we said, ah oh, like, you know, it's just a, a place that people stay in. And I think they're like, No, it's quite far out. So, yeah, okay, but the really Air, nice apartment
1: then, or the, whatever the forerunner of Airbnb was, isn't it? It was, yes, uh, yeah, nice apartment. And um, again, like now you'd have a million options to be presented with you. Like booking.com or trip what they just didn't just didn't exist they just weren't there like um yeah yeah just like it, it, it's it's amazing you yeah, you're right it reflecting now 10 years on it's um like what technology has done to traveling and I think it'd be a very different a very very different trip uh if we went now oh yeah just to where you can stay and how um yeah how open I'd imagine how much more open it is
0: we have discussed that yeah on the podcast has has technology or phones not ruined traveling but changed it because what is um how can i put this what is a surprise anymore like mm. you can research anything these days well, so if you plan a trip like, yeah. yeah
1: if you look at the log cabin like you know we might have found that on google for our no, two star reviews or looks yeah 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 let no, that you say drive passing well that looks creepy now google says it's rubbish you know or so you're right, you can miss out on these these sort of experiences. So,
0: um, yeah. Yeah, I think Kiev, I think there's a few, just to finish on Kiev, the, the game was quality. I think England were behind and came back to win against yeah. Sweden. We were split up in the stadium. I think I was with Anthony. I think you might have been with Stuart and Sam. I can't yeah. quite recall.
1: So,
0: yeah. Yeah, and me and Anthony were right behind the goal where England came back and scored a few goals. I think Danny Welbeck's goal yeah. was there. And we were nuts in the seats, like jumping up and down and yeah. don't really remember too much, but
1: as a game that felt that felt amazing and that was that was the joy england is something it's the reason that gets you there you go in watch the game and then kind of extract yourself from it but that that was the best way of doing a kind of yes england football sports travel really is go to the city enjoy the city as the city meet the local people meet the people from elsewhere kind of you know don't mix with the people that you could kind of uh you know just see anywhere because <laughs> yeah. why would you? Like, you know it's kind of you know it's not that's not why you're there, is it? Like No, no, absolutely not. You might as well just watch it in your local town centre or something. But um, Could, no, it was a brilliant, brilliant um, game of football. Because
0: but... we saw elements of that afterwards, I think, in the fan zone area. We saw maybe some of the same people or same type of England fans. And we're like, oh, let's just leave yeah. this area. And I think we went off to have dinner somewhere else and, and kind of had a few days yeah. to, or a day to check out Kiev, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can't remember it too well. But I remember a lot of massive police presence. Which is ironic when it was because it was a very friendly. Yes. It was England Sweden two countries get incredibly well. Yeah. Um, and, um, and like anything going back and forth is that is entirely good natured and like yes. perhaps Into with like the Russian bands and stuff like that, but it was um, and the the, the, the next game wasn't it? It was against France, wasn't it? It wasn't even against Russia. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, exactly,
1: uh, yeah. It felt like it was against Russia, um, but uh, so yeah, it was it was England Sweden uh, that just. Swedes are great fun, you know, um, kindred spirits and all that. So,
0: um, yeah, that's unnecessary, kids, wasn't it? The the police presence, I thought.
1: That's kind of what we're expecting in a weird way, isn't it? Like yeah. expecting that, that sort of because it was, you know, that's, although the, the the media portrayal of them or well, the portrayal of uh, Ukrainian fans here. Let's not forget that the portrayal of England fans.
2: Mm.
1: You're thinking that you know, if you're Ukraine, you when you see the behaviour of England fans um, year after year abroad and and even at home. Like, they yep. cannot behave, so I think it's the heavy-handedness is what you expect, really, in a way. So, yeah. but it, it was it was surprising in a way, just to just see it so, you know, up close on the sort of front line on the right, police and stuff like that. For I think, wow, if this if it had, had kicked off, God. like you know, it would have been yeah, get out of there fast, yeah,
0: quick. Which I think we might touch on in a bit. <laughs> And just to finish on Kiev, I remember uh, buying baked beans. I think we found a shop and I had some baked beans. There's a picture of me with uh, a tin of baked beans and maybe cooking some in the pan. So that was obviously a shop near our apartment. And I have nothing else to add to Kiev apart from that. <laughs> Good beans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And driving back from Kiev uh, is quite uneventful. I don't recall. Again, we stopped and crack off on the way back.
2: I was going to ask a be- question
0: actually on the way to the next place because I don't know where this happened. And this is an interesting story about the traffic light story, right? I don't know if you remember this that well. I remember distinctly sitting in the front of you. You're driving. No idea. This must be Ukraine, I think, not Poland. And you said to me, Hamo, no need to look to the left. So, right. But there's a car, like, in line with us at traffic lights. And there's a couple of guys in there absolutely frothing at the mouth, swearing at us, like, fingers up the whole lot. And what what do you recall from that?
1: Yeah, I, well, I, it was actually much later. That was, I think, we'd um, we we were also a bit bit conscious of of driving around in the UK plate, you know, saying yeah. "TV" um, because you know, in in some quarters, Britain isn't the most popular yeah. um, nation. Um, and I can remember it was the very as soon as you get out of Krakow, uh, that is the end of the road. That is the end of the EU motorway. It yeah, was the, yeah. It was next town over on the way back. So we'd and it was actually in Poland and we hadn't experienced oh, okay. any right. trouble anywhere and it was the very last sort of single track small town road we were going through. Mm. Um, it was there. So oh right, okay, that's great, it great good. knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I wasn't sure where it was. Uh, I,
1: I can remember that. Yeah, it was. Did you lock like, doors? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, we did, and I think I I sort of pride myself on being quite calm on the road no matter what, and yeah. uh, I think I just I might have just driven like off even may have been a red light, it may not, but I saw it was clear and just even changed our route or turned right or something. Oh, wow, okay. Just, sort yeah. of just feel like really calmly, didn't react, didn't even look them in the eye or anything like that. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, that probably wouldn't have been the most pleasant experience. But yeah, no, that, you're right, that did happen, but it was in Poland on the way. Poland.
0: Um, and then, yeah, nothing else really happened, right?
1: No, I think, yeah, we, tried, we didn't try and replicate. We went straight from um, Kiev. We managed to get back to Krakow this time. Uh, I can remember that was that I was exhausted by the end of that drive. Because
0: um, you were doing all the driving, I think. Yeah,
1: I think that I did for for some reason, and that must have been thousand kilometers, which is just crazy distance to do in a day. Yeah. But I think we kept the difference between their way there and the way back is we knew where we could end up. We booked a very similar Airbnb, and I contradict myself from earlier saying don't try and replicate. I think actually having we really wanted to replicate what we'd experienced in Krakow because we knew it was a lovely square. We knew yep. it was a nice warm evening. We knew we could have, you know, a nice meal, a couple of nice drinks. We knew we'd have a comfortable bed and we knew we'd have somewhere to sort of safely rest. And actually it was a, it was a lovely thing to do. And, it, and the next night again, we ended up back in, um, back in Calais for the for the, for the final night. So the, the kind of the first, first and last days of the trip were, were very similar, but it just, it was it was an amazing experience, um, and I think on we've done some we've we've seen some amazing things and amazing sporting occasions. So there have been bigger and better sporting occasions yeah. than a pretty rotten England team in a in a in a part of the world that you know just lacks the, the glamour or obvious appeal. But I think for you know all the trips, I don't go around ranking them because they're all different. But that that gets better with age. I think when you kind of look at you know what the moment of our lives it was in the sort of there's still the naivety we had yeah the, sort of, the lack of technology really
0: yeah technology is huge
1: and uh just just how it how it played out really and uh but then you only remember the the sort of highs really I think if I could the hour after hour of just meandering conversation and landscapes and nothingness but you kind of get all that and they're they're worth it for the kind of really nice i, <laughs> I think stories.
0: that is key actually that you make a point i think it is key not just to say all the highlights here i think that, that some low points would have been me and mark here were just running out of conversation um okay, well, we, evidently we've... so just sat in silence for a few hours because what i was there <laughs> to say Amazingly,
1: we did finally You know, and you can't even have the radio. I think the radio was just even annoying, wasn't it? And, yeah. Uh, I didn't but the tune of mine. Oh, I can't remember. It was just, just like noise, and um, and uh, yeah, it can. But I think that kind of show you're going on a road trip. Pick pick people you're you're happy to sit in silence with. I think because it's um it's less the conversation, it's more the silence because there's going to be a lot of silence. There and, is. Yeah. Uh, if you're not comfortable or comfortable in that person's presence and silence, then. Uh, then sort of think twice about it because they are long it can be really long and really boring but you have to kind of still enjoy the journey and enjoy the process and yeah. still enjoy seeing the things you see the weird town names and mm-hmm. signs and people on the side of the road and yeah anything and everything you see you have to just sort of Take it all in and enjoy it because you're probably not going to see it again. Um, yeah,
0: that's that's a, that's a fair point on that. Yeah, yeah, that's a very valid point. I think also, don't forget the low points would have been pre-log cabin because we're worried about driving in dark, trying to find somewhere. I think Chakasi was a bit of a stress before that. So there, there are like points we you, you know you don't particularly like what's going on, but it makes the the good points even better. Like mm. the the experience is even better. So it's not all roses. There are some some tough challenges, but. that's what comes with a a huge road trip like that across Europe next trip gonna move on another iconic trip World Cup in Brazil 2014 just two years later
1: yep
0: right there's a special caveat to this isn't there I think because I went travelling 2013 big trip blah 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 talked about it on my trip on podcast plenty of times but on the night out in Norwich I saw you and you went right I'll see you in Rio and that was like 18 months later It's like right I'll see you in Rio and that kind of stuck. That was a theme for a year and a half. Of it. I knew you were going to be in Rio for the World Cup. I was planning to meet you there as part of my travels. And that was kind of it for me. I think you said, oh, I've got a few work friends coming. It's like, cool, fair enough. Be good to meet them. And then I can't really talk about planning because I think you just done it with yourself or a few other people, right? Because I was kind of on my own sort of separate trip here.
1: Yeah, that's it. So it was, uh, this was, this was, a very challenging one to plan because um so there's a world cup in rio and we kind of before we went we knew this has got once in a lifetime potential written all over it in staying in rio staying in copacabana was particularly where we wanted to stay mm. um in our mid-20s you know so a bit of life experience behind us and not quite as wet behind the ears um <laughs> and yeah, the experience of having done a bit of sport travel before uh and we just sort of sensed that a World Cup in Brazil in Rio in Copenhagen was just going to be something you couldn't miss. And it was, it was just, it was the best. I think I I talk about, you know, I sort of contradicting myself from a minute ago saying, you know, Euro 2012 was the best, but in Ukraine, they're just so different. I think Um, everything about this trip was just incredible from start to finish, but the planning that had to go into it was quite extraordinary um, because, you know, you're not the only one. The tournament starts on a certain date at a certain time, and everyone knows that. And you're not the only one who wants to go. And there's only so many direct flights to um to Brazil and to Rio. And uh, and you know clearly we, we we were on the ball, but even booking 300 days or whatever in advance, it's got still me. you know pretty astronomical. So managed to get via Madrid, uh, Iberia. Um, you know, got to Rio. Found a really good so Airbnb was up and running by then. I don't yeah. It may have been a couple of years early, but it wasn't certainly in the public consciousness. So we used Airbnb, found a really, really good apartment in Copacabana, um, really well located. And that was going to be our base for two and a half weeks. So we're going to stay for the entire group stage. We plan to um, go to see as many of the games as possible um, in the Maracanã Stadium in, in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, stay like stay in Copacabana. That. Yeah, the best one of the best stadiums in the world. And whilst also then going out to... Um, uh, to watch some of the England games, uh, taking internal flights, so it was a, it was it was a two-stage process of we kind of got in the ticket ballot, and it was sort of five of us, and we all entered the same games um, in Rio just to increase our chances. And I think we got about, if not every game, then almost every game. Almost, yeah. And a couple of us went, so we split them up, so people went to like three and five or four and six of the games or something yeah. like that. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: Worked out really really well. And then then for the England game, the minute the draw was done, we watched it live. We, as the seeds were coming out, England first game in Belo Horizonte thought, no, that's too far. We can't can't fly there. We only just got there the day before. But then it came out, the Uruguay game in Sao Paulo, thought yeah. we've got to go that." Yeah. So the flights within about five seconds and within 10 seconds, the price had quadrupled. <laughs> and then um, the, the Costa Rica game that came out in Belo Horizonte so, whereas whereas um, Manaus wasn't it the the, yes. Italy, the first one that was nice. a long that was two to three about a three hour flight. It's in the time. Amazon, I think. Yeah, That's, yeah, it was <laughs> Sao Paulo and and Belo Horizonte looked to be in the same sort of postcode. You know, yeah. sort of an hour or so flight in either direction. So we sort of went for those. So yeah, we we're, we're going to have say six games, seven games we're going to go to in Rio and over the city, whilst also having the incredible fan park experience um mm. on the on the Copacabana beach and there was hours of planning going, like it was you know it was military precision like working out you know the flights and stuff but finding the right accommodation not just the right location but at the right price the Venn mm-hmm. diagrams were were pretty tricky you know <laughs> accepting that internal flights are quite tricky they're quite limited you know it's not as even though it's a domestic internal flight it's not as frequent as plentiful as cheap mm-hmm. as uh, as being within Europe, um, or as easy, um, but but it but it all came good and uh, we had two quite incredible weeks of just football sunshine on the beach. Like some of the just you know what was what was great was how when you base yourselves pretty much on the beach for a fortnight in a in a fan park playing football on the beach is that on any given day. There was a different nation's fans there, you know, watching the games. Watching the
0: game, yeah. Yeah. So
1: we, we kind of encountered every nation. Um, and almost without exception, uh, everyone was brilliant. You know, everyone was there with a shared purpose, wanting to watch football, wanting to have time, and, and kind of realised how, you know, privileged it was to be at this amazing, amazing location.
0: If people are listening and are thinking, ah, oh, but Rio, like, you know, dancing, noise, color, um, foods, different national, yeah, it's all that. Like, if, if, you're, if you're imagining what it's like, this probably is what we experience because it's that good. And I think the location really helped with our apartment because we could easily walk to Copacabana Beach and that's just, that's a, that's a bonus, right? That's already an option. And then you can obviously get down to the other beach, like Inpanema if you want to go and explore. And I think the base also helped for us to explore Rio, not just the, the fan zone and the football. We got to see some pretty good sights. And we've got some uh, good things to say. I want to obviously mention the surprise story. So when I I was flying from Miami, I think. Yeah, I think I've been in Hawaii for about three weeks at this point. And I was planning to meet Mark on his own with a few work friends. So when I got to the, I got to the apartment first, I think with Lewis and possibly Chris and Andy, I can't quite recall. So, we had already been there and kind of checked out the, the location and, and the flat. And when Mark arrived, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, there he is. And then around the corner, I remember Titch, our friends, just popping his head around, like, oh, surprise, I'm, I'm here as well. I was absolutely blown away. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> unbelievable surprise.
1: It was, we managed to keep a good secret there, didn't we? Was, For 18 uh, months. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. It like, and that was WhatsApp groups were fully up and running then. So, there was a yeah. like, subgroup and that and uh it was the kind of dawn the birth of whatsapp really around that sort of time um which made made planning a bit easier as well and
0: uh you must have warned everyone right all the other friends even not yeah, even the yeah, ones that not going was, not to say anything right?
1: everyone was in on it um yeah. there was a yeah it was a really nice that was pretty heartwarming that it was uh it was good fun after a long like long haul flight and uh straight out in there but it was yeah it was it was pretty good and rio didn't disappoint did it i think really? no <laughs> As a city, as a kind of just brilliant, like cultural, just awesome place with some of the best, you got Sugarloaf Mountain, yeah. which get up early, didn't we? We decided one morning to have a quiet night in, get up at 6 a.m., be the first yeah. up the mountain we were. By the time we came down, yeah. what a couple of hours later, they were queuing for half a mile down the road, weren't they? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And we got lucky going up Christ the Redeemer by bumping into a journalist. From I think the sun wasn't he and uh, he wanted some England fans to do a picture up there and yeah. it was up there so managed to jump the massive queue there and uh, managed to find ourselves in the sun on Sunday in our uh, England shirts.
0: Yeah, Tom, Tom and Lee, I think they were. Tom was the the journalist, if you like. Lee was the uh, photographer, and it was heaving up there. Uh, uh, when I mean heaving, we couldn't go up there. They said initially said no, I think, and mm. um, because it was full. But I think Lee um, for. People listening, Lee is the guy who took the, the selfie in the Christ the Redeemer. So if you go Google selfie Christ the Redeemer, you'll see Lee on the top of it, like phone up there, and he's at the top of the whole thing. And I think he went in there and said, "Oh, you know, it's me, it's, it's Lee, the, the selfie." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. And they just let us up with the tickets. I think last last chance saloon and managed to get up there, and that was crowded yeah. though, wasn't it? it was we, we couldn't get anywhere. Like this is it pretty, full. Yeah, it
1: was busy, wasn't it? It was a, a remarkable place to go, and it was a good good while. We were completely lucked in on yeah. You know, up there it's a, it's a must do thing but I think more like going out um lap the lap steps isn't it that was that was oh yeah yeah a cool street party but uh, I, I think even more memorable was going on that favela tour that was um that was Dream. like people oh, I think was it the film city of god wasn't it like yeah we got favelas in the sort of public consciousness but um you know we went and like almost like no go zones but we, we went on we did the sort of guided tour and uh, you kind of saw we went into school didn't we and met some of the kids and yeah uh, some that, of guide, the that
0: that guide was awesome wasn't
1: he? yeah it was just Everyone. like yeah. it was a really brilliant like afternoon it was just amazing you know and they were they kind of really were open about the police and the drugs and um the crime and stuff but also the community within it it was um it was a really privileged thing to go and do and it, it was nowhere near as sort of busy as as i um as I thought it would be like, um, the the tour it was very easy. You could like take us the next day because I think people during the world cup, I thought, wow, we'd never be able to get on this. There's only one company doing this one tour Mm -hmm. on it. So, if I'd imagine they're still up and running, I'd say to anyone to go and do that, it was brilliant.
0: Yeah, it's in the Urachina favela, I think the second biggest in Brazil, biggest in um, Rio. And people think probably thinking now favela, oh, it's like dangerous. It it really, you know, we don't know that the deep rooted um locals in there, but what we experienced was just people going about their daily life. They've got jobs. They're just like eating food on the street. Like they're just playing football, whatever school's up and running. It really was a great segue into actually are, you know, these people are, are better than where they, you know, where they were maybe 10 years before that, that, you know, they've got jobs, they can afford housing. And it was like this other sort of lower middle class evolving at that point. Mm. And the guide explained all that about how it's changing. Um, but then he explained that, I think the police went in there for the World Cup, right, into these favelas to mm. take charge, and that caused a few problems. Yeah, that's
1: it. some time ago, yeah, about eight years ago. but I'm, I'm, It's coming back to me a bit now. I Yeah, it was – it was a. It, I mean, you, you never know how much they put on for you.
0: In a while yeah, day, exactly, you know,
1: yeah. In the afternoon and and that sort of stuff. But it was, you know, what an amazing experience to go and do still.
0: Yeah, I just want to say that obviously my other friends come, Norma and uh, Boad came on the trip. That was also a surprise, but Mark did kind of give that away when we're catching up in the apartment – when Titch arrived. But it didn't really matter, actually, looking back. like it, Yeah, it would have been like, oh, my God, but did it actually matter? No, not really. Like I was still stoked to hear they were coming. So they came the day after you arrived, I think. Oh, yeah, and yeah. That, that made the trip even better, because I was, <laughs> shout out to Barag here. I couldn't believe Barag was on the trip. Even Norma, I couldn't <laughs> believe they, they succumbed to going on the trip. Yeah, Just amazing. Blew my mind, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so those sites, I think Sugarloaf Mountain... Uh, Chrysler Redeemer, the favela tour if you can do it and also Ipanema Beach is obviously a place to check out a really cool place to go and see in Rio. I know they're quite cliche if you look in Google but can't recommend them enough.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah we saw we, we you know we stuck to the sites didn't we but I think you can you can I got the impression Rio. Yeah, you might want to not take a wrong turn of it you know, yes. a couple of times we did and yeah, there are you do have to be careful around travel but it's like anyway it's like yeah. you know London even you know you don't have to walk too far and, and you can be somewhere <laughs> where you might not feel comfortable so like like traveling anywhere really is just just it's just kind of being sensible and and you know sticking to to main routes main roads around around people and you know travel that sort of stuff it is you know it's not although Brazil has got a bit of a reputation um it you know I, we never felt sort of unsafe or anything like that and just kind of Really properly immersed ourselves in in the place and the tournament um, and everything, and it, yeah, I was sort of it, it, it. kind of felt like it was going to be once in a lifetime, and it, mm. it really was. I think we just really sweated every moment of every day. We just didn't, we just didn't sit around at all, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, relentless.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was exhausted by the end of it, but um, yeah, what an amazing, what an amazing trip.
0: And I guess we've got to mention the football. <laughs> it's, a fo- it's part of the trip. We (laughs) let's talk about Sao Paulo it's actually so yeah uh, this is a great point that you made before football or England is part of the trip but it's not all the trip and actually Mm -hmm. this day in Sao Paulo yeah we get to see England play it's actually one of the worst days of the trip because I just we're knocked out effectively and we're shit and we just want to get out of there really and I thought
1: in Sao Paulo I mean you don't we saw what we saw so you can't be but you know we, we didn't the stadium wasn't in a very nice part of the, the place. True. It was cold, it was wet. You know, by the time we were then back in the city, it was dark. So we just, you know, it felt going from the kind of paradise of Rio to the sort of grittiness of Sao Paulo. We weren't really prepared for it. And yeah, it was having England lost in quite a I've never experienced an atmosphere that it kind of felt like a South American atmosphere, didn't it? Really? Yeah. Like mixed in with, the Uruguay fans are just incredible, and that the football and then the England fans. It felt like kind of half Premier League game, half sort of you know, South American game. You see on television, it was just incredible. Obviously, we lost, but but it put the dampeners on it a bit. Um, but it, I can remember that we we had a flight home, but the next morning, didn't, you and I, we just um, we just went on the bus. We went to the bus station and got the, bu- yeah. over the bus sleeper bus to Rio, which again shows you can be you know you can sit in your in. I think I was sat in my flat you know, six, eight months earlier, booking what I thought was the only flight, the only way I could possibly get back from Sao Paulo to Brazil. Actually, the opposite was true. I managed to get on a bus that cost me 20% as much as the cost. Um, Managed to sleep, didn't have to sleep on an airport floor. And it was a kind of more relaxed experience for it, really. So it just shows you can can plan and plan and plan. But going back a bit to to what we experienced in the Ukraine was, um, you know, you can... prepared to rip up that plan if it's uh, clearly (laughs) a better experience for it
0: it just wasn't viable, I I remember that basically there's two options, we could stay at the airport I think all night and get a flight which is only an hour next morning and arrive back at the same time as either we get a coach or bus, whatever it was, in the evening where it's like an overnight coach and I thought I just don't want to stay in Zappahar anymore so I thought I'd rather sleep on the coach because I can sleep better on the coach than probably the airport floor so I thought I'd just do that instead so we decided to get a coach back to Rio and don't regret it because even though we booked a flight and lost a bit of money on that, ah, I just wanted to get back, back into Rio, really go back home almost.
1: It constantly felt like, okay, I can remember it now, like drifting in and out of sleep. It constantly felt like it was on a, like running away downhill. So <laughs> maybe it was on a mobile. I just always had the impression that it was on a very really sharp descent and the driver was quite aggressive on the brakes. But uh, yeah, we made it back in one piece. I'm glad I couldn't look out the window and was... Um, kind of quite tired. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it kind of, it was, yeah, it just shows that the, the, you know, the other side of sport travel is that it can kind of actually interrupt a good time sometimes as well. <laughs> but we'd probably had a more fun day if we'd have stayed in Rio, um, watched it in the fan zone, had some sunshine, play a bit of football on the beach, met some, you know, hung around some Europe, friendly Uruguay fans had a laugh yeah. about it. But instead, we were cold, wet, miserable. It was only about out
0: the, the World Cup.
1: Degrees, yeah. Out of the World Cup, sort of, um you Know having the mic taken out of us and uh by, by everyone a long way from home facing the night on an airport floor, yeah. <laughs> um, department. yeah. So it kind of just shows actually it's not sometimes being there. I wouldn't swap actually the 90 minutes that here in the national anthem, seeing the noise, yeah, yeah. Really I wouldn't swap that like, anything, but it, it shows there is another way of enjoying live sport <laughs> and it's sometimes got to not at the game, being there, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: also. I want to touch on Belo Horizonte, because that's another part of the trip. So the story here for me is that my friend Chris, who's a bit of a mentalist, um, for some reason kept just dawdling in the morning. And I was like, Chris, we need to go. We've got a flight to catch. And he just wasn't getting it. Normally, I would actually go by myself. But for some reason, I gave him a chance. And I gave him a chance, gave him a chance. I knew as soon as he left the apartment, we're going to be late, we're going to miss it. And we missed the flight. So there I had to... Well, we had to kind of figure out an alternative and the buses were full at that time of the flight. I think there's one seat left. I don't know why I didn't take it. Chris was like, oh, go and, go and take that seat in the bus. I was, I was like, I was thinking, yeah, I should do it, but I didn't take it. I don't even know why. So then we both got bus together at some point. But you, obviously, because of that, were with our friend Titch in Better Horizonte. And I think Lewis was probably on the flight on his own, like separately. I can't really, I don't know really know what happened there.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think so. I think we kind of, we were all split up, weren't we? Yeah. Did we ever come back together? I can't even remember. Well,
0: the match. (laughs) It's only the the actual ground, yeah.
1: The nil-nil. But I remember the the, the thing about Belo Horizonte was um, Brazil were playing that night. And when when what we found in Brazil, when Brazil were playing, was that the country stopped. Like, it really did. Every shot um, shuttered and... um, you know, people just came out and just watched the game and and nothing, no, don't try and do anything else when Brazil were playing the World yep. Cup in Brazil. And it was awesome. And they won like three or four nil, whoever they were playing. And mm. it played really, really well. And it was just a massive street party. It was just the whole town centre was closed off and it seemed to be the whole of the town was out just having this wild party. And it was just street after street. Um There clearly was some sort of carnival or festival on... But a bit like some of the places in Ukraine, I I couldn't really, it was a bit more, you know, established and on a map, but I couldn't probably point to it on a map. Um, Don't really know where it was. Don't really know where we stayed. If it was another one, I just sort of booked the only hotel room I could find. um, uh, uh, The flights we had and had an amazing time in spite of the football again, because it was a a (sighs) nil-nil Grim game.
0: Yeah, I spoke spoke to Lewis about this. He said that he was on his own because me and Beamish missed our flights. You were probably on the same flight as Titch, but not Lewis's flight. Whether that's my flight as well, I can't remember. And he bumped into you at the street party. He told me about this.
1: I think, I think I've got a memory now because he, he stayed in our hotel room. Or, yeah. Uh,
0: but I think yeah. he randomly bumped into you in the street party, wherever that is, in Belo Horizonte. And you couldn't, apparently Titch also, t- also told me he couldn't believe it. Like <laughs> <out of laughs> all it. The, It's like Needle and Haystack. All the things you could have been doing in Belo Horizonte Brazil were playing, he just managed to find you in that street party.
2: Yeah, there we and
0: go. And he said, it's unbelievable moment.
1: <laughs> small world. I I um, yeah, it's good. coming back to me now. <laughs> yeah, small world.
0: And then the game was I've never been to a sporting game event in any sport where we are just getting the piss taken out of. Like by the locals at the stadium, even our own fans were joking. I was sat next to Tony Gale and Tony Cotty, who are ex the footballers. And they were even. They were laughing. Like it was just embarrassing.
1: It really was. But actually, funny. I experienced that only a couple of weeks ago when I saw Norwich lose three 0 to Crystal Palace away. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I, I, that was a very similar kind of the gallows humour atmosphere of like we are just tragic beyond belief, and everyone was just laughing and just how bad it was. And then the, the toxicity comes to the surface. Yeah, it does come out in the end. But the booze and stuff. But for the most part, it was like we've come it is another example of having a good time in spite of uh yeah <laughs> I don't it been like you know it could have been another sao paulo where it was cold wet miserable and you know maybe in sao paulo there was an amazing street party that we just missed and uh,
0: yeah yeah potentially it real,
1: yeah. but it was just a really warm friendly inviting place where we had a really good time seeing somewhere completely new and then england stunk the place out the next day again and uh, <laughs> we went back to rio <laughs> so it was a
2: uh,
0: it was a nice day, though. It was nice weather. Yeah, that.
1: it was. It was a scorcher, wasn't it? I can remember that like, being like, pretty much... It was a very dry heat, wasn't it, inland? Dry,
0: yeah, very dry. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to mention this. The Tony Cottage story, right? So I have this England shirt, which is uh, like a, a fake £1 shop type shirt where you just buy it, and it's just for a laugh. But I've actually taken it to quite a few countries. It's actually my main England shirt. I took it to Euro uh, 2016, and the group that we're part of kind of pissed at me for a little bit for it because it's kind of basic. Anyway, better how I was on my own and I arrive. Now, this is the highlight of the actual game. Actually, bearing in mind how bad the game was. You were very excited. And I, I couldn't really work, work out what was going on. I was going up the steps and I see you like congregating by the seats. And like, you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. Okay. Like said hello. And then I realized that Tony Gale and Tony Cotty were there. He said, yeah, you got to come meet Tony Cotty. And I was like, okay, fair enough bit random straight into it and then it instantly realized that he had the exact same England shirt as me and we had to get a photo and I shook his hand and that he obviously had no idea really what's going on it was just like meeting someone but for us it's an iconic moment because we couldn't believe anyone in the world had the same shirt as me
2: yeah
1: it was uh but it was, I can even more vividly remember it. It was a £5.99 shirt from Esso <laughs> uh, over the Petra Station. And uh, it was Tony Cotty had to have filled up his car <laughs> at Esso, made the conscious decision to go, yeah, me, ex, maybe play for England, I don't know, but ex Premier League footballer. Yeah. I want that five ninety nine shirt from Esso. His suitcase, wore it to an England game, and then bumped into the only other person probably wearing it. It was. Uh, <laughs> thinking about small world it was just it was it was remarkable that he was wearing it you know wearing it with you wearing it there but I just maybe maybe I underestimate the sort of normality of life for, for expert but it's just I'm no just trying to picture Tony Cotty making the decision at the SO to buy the to buy the England shirt
0: <laughs> I I can believe it yeah I was shocked and I think there's an iconic picture flying about with me Tony Cotty there is. and and I think we can leave that horizontally on that on that story because it's just unreal yeah so we're going to start to wrap up here um, so I'm going to ask you just to briefly sort of like do you want a, a few sentences on a few other trips so we've obviously been to the West Indies a couple of lines on that to watch the cricket
1: yeah that was a very different trip again I think this is showing how our travel had changed by that point and how things like Airbnb and TripAdvisor had, had sort of changed the way you can you can travel so like and we were we we're well-oiled machine about planning our travel we weren't using external companies doing it all our sort of selves but it was a very simple one book England were playing in the Caribbean books and flights you know it's a very easy place to get to um yeah. from the UK um accommodation was plentiful but we we stayed in Grenada and Barbados um I can remember Particularly being excited by Barbados and a bit less so by Grenada, but it was actually the other way around. Over like, around,
0: yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, it was a
1: wild, like, almost like a rain, like forested island, wasn't it? Um, yep. Grenada and Grenada, unbelievable charm, rusticness to it, really undeveloped, and probably not as many tourists there. Compare that to Barbados, was like, I was really disappointed by Barbados. <laughs> yeah, I found it, I found it like kind of just could have been in Florida. And yeah, yeah Florida fine, and and you know, has appealed to some people, but. I don't know. It just didn't feel like the Caribbean. It was idyllic. You know, we had a great time. Um, you know, some great experiences. Um, but it was a it was a brilliant, brilliant trip that I loved every second of. But I can remember being slightly underwhelmed by Barbados. Which then, by the time we got to Antigua, and um, we sort of flew through there for the day on the way home, to me that was the Caribbean sort of paradise mm. that I was expecting from Barbados. Slightly, you know, a bit more, bit more charming, bit the, the sort of slower pace. less commercial it had the sandy beach It that felt like kind of paradise didn't it really um yeah because i've been
0: there 10 days before uh for 10 days previously in antigua so i think i said to you guys that i can take some places for a day i think we had to hire a car for a day before we had to fly out again it was a brilliant day dotted around the uh the island yeah there's a beach every day of the year in antigua so and all public so you can go to any beach you want yeah um,
1: that was that was just brilliant wasn't it um Didn't you, I remember, you, didn't you take us to the best beach in the world? And we got there and it looked a bit kind of yeah, half
0: moon beach, a yeah.
1: bit windy. <laughs> it's like, well, oh, that's all right. And we found an even better one just around the corner, yeah. that had like deck chairs on it and parasols.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, why is this rate number one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I absolutely remember that. I was well disappointed with that because I didn't go to that on my previous trip, so that was new for me as well. So I didn't expect that. Yeah, okay, that was, that was
1: a good fit. And it just showed by that stage, you know, how quickly, you know, how. Like again, tickets you'd have to queue up. That was a bit different. There was no advanced sales, so you had to sort of queue up for a long time outside the stadium. They released them, say, two days before the test match, which when we're used to sort of bunging FIFA, like $180 for a World yeah. Cup ticket. And that, that's something that's changed big time in some of the sport. How like Ukraine, I can't I remember it probably being expensive, but probably like 50, 60 quid now. You need you're looking at three times that to go to yeah, the yeah. game. just just eye watering. And I think. Like because travel just in the last decade, sports travel was people, you know, things like Airbnb have just made it so much easier to go mm. to these these places and and um before people would put off oh there was only when England play whatever, oh the hotel rooms cost four thousand quid a night and no one would go. Whereas now, you know, you can go and stay anywhere so more people congregate and it just becomes a lot a lot easier. Um but yeah, that and it was um you know, when we're in the West Indies, it just that was a very, very straightforward you know it's a brilliant like brilliant trip but we it felt like a well-oiled machine didn't it
0: yeah that? i think it, it, it felt <laughs> i almost say routine <laughs> yeah. um yeah, it felt it just felt, me, yeah we knew what we we're doing we knew it were ex- well exactly. we're going to expect them to lose they did um i think a test match that we saw in Barbados. i think yeah. i lost today i can't I quite remember yeah, but it was
1: a three-day test wasn't it where um they were pretty low chase but just butler and mr stamping at 80 for five or something yeah, like that. And yeah. they went on to win they got the 130, 140, whatever they needed, but it's a different game. if back there. made that's something I can great that,
0: Okay. And um, we've got maybe four or five minutes left. 2016 Euros in France and Paris. Just a brief c- couple of minutes on that. That was a great trip.
1: That was brilliant because that was, um, when you go to Europe, when you go to European cities, um, you tend to, you know, being in England or Paris or whatever, you tend to only spend a couple of nights. You know, it's so rare. We spent two and a half weeks in Paris, and um, it just felt like fully immersed somewhere you think you know really well. Or yeah. You've seen a million movies, you've been there, you know, 20 times or whatever With on work stuff or just passing through or weekends away and stuff. But it just felt like par- it just sort of changed it and evolved around us. It just felt, I don't know, that cafe culture was just brilliant, like just yeah. getting- not waking just, up, yeah. Well, yeah, just getting oh. the coffee croissant next door, get oh, the dream. lingerie and like getting the um, you know, get it just it just felt really like cliched Parisian, but it just I felt really, really comfortable there. And mm. you know, that, and it was another place where the football was the kind of absolute focal point. And we went to a lot of games, but Heck
0: and, of a game, and,
1: yeah. there, and there was a lot of fan, you know, 24 teams in that tournament and fan zones and watching front, had all that stuff, but Actually, I remember more the kind of the us sitting around talking a bit of rubbish, us being on the train, us being yeah. on the metro, just the kind of the real French stuff. Um, I, thought we sight-
0: than, I think we sightseeing more on that trip. I felt like yeah, we went we to a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We really wanted to get around, went to some museums and, you know, saw some, yeah, just, just saw the city, really. But on a really, like, granular level, like, in that we were there for so long. Uh, I think if I was in two weeks in London but knowing I'm two weeks in London I'd you wouldn't run out of stuff to do you think you would because Mm. by the time you've ticked off like the three or four big sites I've seen it now when actually it was no let's just go and spend all afternoon hanging around these couple of streets yeah 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 wander around and it felt it felt really really good um yeah I felt like I was prison by the end of it basically yeah and I
0: reckon maybe because we're a bit older I don't know maybe we felt not as inclined to maybe get involved in the sporting part of the trip. Maybe we actually yeah. felt like we want to see a place more than maybe previously before.
1: Yeah, I think so, and that felt good. And you know, it was brilliant. The foot, but it felt like um, it felt like when you go to a football game here, you have your life, you have your experience, you have your pub and stuff, and then you just go to the football. Um, and it felt like that. There, we were just living in Paris. That was our life, and we were just going to the football and then sort of getting yeah. Yeah. our parisian newfound parisian lives with very limited french
0: um <laughs> we even had like a local bar downstairs that we did we had a to local the, bar
1: and that it reached the point where very quickly we had local we we're in first name terms <laughs>
2: we
1: <were very laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah we, we were parisian okay
0: and then back round to i guess the last sporting trip we've been to yeah i imagine so roughly 2018 world cup russia
1: Yeah, that was a whimsical, like last minute, I was determined not to go to Russia. Um, I I don't know why, really. I think I've really, I've kind of fallen out of love a lot with football um, over the years, but I haven't fallen out of love with tournament football.
0: Yes, I'm exactly the
2: same.
1: Just the best. And I haven't fallen out of love with my my team, Norwich City. Um, I just don't, anything else, I don't care. I just don't watch it. I don't know. If it's on, it's on, but it's... You know, it's I'm I'm far more interested in other stuff, which is fine. But but I really got carried away with um with the progress in Russia and England, how they performed, and sort uh, of reached the point where ahead of that quarterfinal game, I just had to be at the semi final, but not the mm-hmm. final. It's weird. I, something yeah. about, I just felt like it was the semi final was the final because we hadn't been there in our lifetime, got anywhere that or conscious lifetime, really, or or go anywhere far. And I just made a last-minute decision to go. And uh, we had a – me and three others had a a whirlwind kind of trip. And this was hard. This was – by this point, the difference between getting tickets in 2012, 2014, even 2016, and then into eighteen was, like, everyone now knows the system. You know, before it would be a need to know – you could work out yourself now you can go on facebook on twitter you can there are websites there are people who have written programs that have written bots you know all it's so it's lost its charm it's much more commercial there's much more competition for these tickets and um yeah but we got there we got some tickets we got some flights somehow uh and we had a brilliant brilliant day out um in Moscow. In Moscow.
0: Yeah, I saw some. I think you you FaceTime me didn't? You? Because I was in New Zealand at it. that point. Yeah, I can't it believe it. it. I think it's Red. It might be in Red Square. Was
1: it? In Red Square. <sighs> uh, you know. But another vivid oh, no. memory like, I can remember where um, I've been to Russia once at work and, and found it. Uh, I don't know. So it's, it's a it's a very different sort of place. Um, but I can remember a guy coming up to us. Um, uh, when England, some England fans sort of nearby, and we distanced ourselves from that. But but there wasn't that many there, and everyone, mm. there was no bad behaviour there at all. Um, but they were sort of singing, and 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 some someone came over and went to us, uh, a Russian guy. You know this isn't normal. The, like you know this doesn't happen. You need to sort of say this doesn't happen. And it was a bit like okay. And I thought about that a lot since, and thinking when you go to these tournaments in these countries, these places that aren't you know that aren't France, Germany, yeah how, what, what is real? What, what are you seeing? Um, and I think a, a lot of Qatar, I'm kind of, you know, I went to, Wem- I've been to every tournament of England football-wise since 2012. And yeah. I kind of, yeah, I'm really wrestling with, with like Qatar for all the kind of, you know, um, as we say, political issues there. And they're kind of just the, the country. It just, it's weird how you develop, I would say you develop more of a conscience. You you, you develop an awareness, really, yeah. and, and that stuff starts to matter a lot more. Right like, about going to certain places and certain countries, and 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 like what whether you're just adding to the sort of PR, if that makes sense, of of a of a country.
0: So was he just kind of telling you that this is not the real Russia? Like here's the saying for this day only, you're going to see something that's actually not real life.
1: Yeah, I think that was the inference. Yeah, he just oh, sort wow. of felt like you know this is um yeah it's a flash it's a it's a, in a day it's a, yeah. it's a moment. it's a split second but it's funny what sticks with you and like i remember thinking yeah he's, you know i kind of get what he means he's like that wow their lives aren't aren't as free as as yeah, yeah. we're kind of seeing or, or as free as we feel now the opposite the opposite is true
0: okay cool uh, i want to finish off with some real quick fire questions they're supposed to be like bam 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 favorite things and then we'll wrap up it's travel question time. Um, what's the favorite country that you like to travel to?
1: Um, I, lo- I I really like Europe, really, and I love France. I love Italy. I think um, okay. if I could, yeah, I think those two countries, if I would, I, I'd happily spend a day in France, a morning in France, a month in France. Same for Italy. I just, I love them. I think they're brilliant. I think Europe is really overlooked, probably because it's. Uh, proximity to us and um mm. you know how part of our daily lives it really is i, I just love the place I, I love going there um yeah okay so probably, probably France Italy.
0: and favorite city that you probably would like to spend like a favorite break?
1: city is lisbon by oh
0: yeah we, we didn't touch that did we we had a yeah. good trip there again
1: yeah. not, not for football for once uh, but lisbon is it has got absolutely everything it is a cross between san francisco and rio de janeiro yeah uh, it is just the best place in the world. It's got absolutely everything. It's brilliant.
0: Okay. And if you can give a few last minute, a few senses as to why people should go on sports travel, why should they go?
1: I think don't be overawed by um being there. If if you want to go to a World Cup final or, you know, a knockout game in Germany, you can do it. There is a way of doing it, obviously that's got cost attached to it. And I think the cost for a lot of the f- football travel in particular is becoming quite prohib- prohibitive. It's becoming monopoly money. You know, yes. some of the, some of the ticket prices, you know, Qatar, I think they released them this week. It's just absurd. I was laughing at some of the prices. Oh, really?
0: I'm not. Even um, yeah. money?
1: The headline is it's like $8 for a ticket. Well, actually that's for local residents and there's about four <laughs> of them available and stuff. So, um, yeah. So I'd say, you know, don't be overawed by it. Um, you can get away there. You know, the stories are always hotel rooms sell out in nine minutes winning England are playing in Budapest and tickets are going for four grand on the black market. There's always a way of getting a ticket legitimately, officially. You just have got a lot of time, a lot of patience. Go through the official channels, take your time doing your research, but also know that um, have a plan B. But don't also be disappointed if you, if you can't make it because actually, as we found, that the, the really best sporting occasions um, you kind of find in another way. Like, you know, they're, they're not actually the most those obvious ones. And sometimes it can be just being in a place at the same time as a sporting event can be just as remarkable and just as fun. Hey.
0: Mark, thank you very much for ending on that. Uh, thanks for coming on today and I really appreciate you making time for me.
1: No problem at all. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Winginit It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winginit Travel Podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last 8 to 10 years of my travels. You can also find this podcast episode on YouTube. Please search for Winginit Travel Podcast and you can follow and subscribe today. It'll either be the video of the podcast or there'll be some still pictures to accompany the audio. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form finally please rate and review the podcast on podchaser this is my platform of choice alternatively you can rate this on apple or wherever you get your podcasts from this really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content and i'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there reviewing it and enjoying the content so far stay safe stay humble keep listening keep traveling and i'll catch you soon cheers james